Zacchaeus and Judas have quite a bit of parallels, but yet they went about their pursuit of money differently. Zacchaeus left God's family. He left God's will to pursue money, to pursue wealth, to pursue creaturely comforts, right? Mm -hmm. He's the sinner who ended up in the pigsty. But Judas, he stayed close to the church. He stayed close to Jesus. Uh, From the outside, he was a whitewashed tomb. He was a moralist. He was doing all the right things. He was following Christ. Yet Zacchaeus and Judas both were doing something. One of them was running from God and one of them was staying close to God. But Judas was staying close to God as it turns out for the same reasons Zacchaeus was running from God, Mm -hmm. for his own wealth, for his own comfort. And so often in our lives, we can do the same thing. Some of us run far away from God because we want to pursue our own way, our own life. And some of us, we go to church every Sunday and we act the, we, we play the part of the legalist and the moralist. We do all the right things. We say all the right things, but we do it because we want control over our lives, because we want the wealth, because we want the comfort. And the difference here is to be a Christian is to pursue God for who God is, Mm. not because we want our life, but because he gave up his life so that we could have a life. Guys, I have a really sincere, genuine question. It's unique because I never ask sincere, genuine questions. The answer is four, two plus two This is how you know when someone really knows someone, Uh when they know that what they're going to say is not what they're going to say, but you're wrong. Mm -hmm. This is is somewhat genuine. Um, How many times is it appropriate to say, excuse me to someone when they're telling you something and you can't understand them? Like I'm talking about whether it's an accent or it's too loud and you know it's hard to hear or they're not speaking clearly enough. I mean, seriously, how many times is it appropriate to say, excuse me? Because I've been in some weird situations, right? Three times and then you slap the face. <laughs> <laughs> With your foot. Yeah. I, have you guys ever been in those situations where someone is telling you something? You excuse ask, me? Excuse me? I was going to do the it. same thing. I was yeah, waiting I, for timing. I know. I predicted this a hundred <laughs> times in my head already before this. Excuse but, me? No, but someone's trying to tell you something and you you don't understand them. Sometimes it's been an accent for me or it's been louder and they keep saying it and it gets to a point where you get embarrassed. What's easy talking? And, Excuse me? Uh, why did I put myself in this position? I don't position? know. You why set yourself up on this one. You set yourself today. up. <laughs> this is your fault, easy. Uh, but, but seriously though, like it, does it get to a point where you just – Nod your head. <laughs> just, I've, I've done it where I'm like... Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a courtesy thing. You don't want to make the person seem very foolish. So you just got to use discretion. Yeah, but they're asking you a question or they're telling you something and you don't know what you're agreeing to, but it just gets to a point where it's like... Mm-hmm. Uh, One of my sisters um, is hearing impaired and we used to give her a hard time all the time because if What's she was across, do it. I knew it. <laughs> if she was across the table with somebody and they would crack a joke, everyone would laugh and you would see my sister Sam go like, like if, I, if you were me and I'm Sam, she'd go like this. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that. You know, I remember... A friend of mine's mom, when I was growing up, uh, a friend that I actually ended up reuniting with uh, not long ago. There's too many details. And Just get he on. was a really nice guy. He had nice hair. <laughs> this is what happens when you get older. He was kind of tall. And he, <laughs> he was born in Westminster actually, in the 80s. It was Reagan. in Westminster oh, where we lived. But she, I remember she said something and just always stuck with me. She, she said, always listen very closely to what people say. Mm. Listen closely to their words. Mm. And that... It was just a bit of wisdom, and, and it always 
comes back to mind in situations where it's like, it's easy for us to just kind of brush things off. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah or agree to something or, and then end up finding it out that it, it was something different than what we thought, hmm. you know? And so I think that's... Really it's biblical to be swift to hear and slow to speak. Yeah. So be swift to hear and slow, <laughs> slow to speak. Slow. Yeah. You guys ever... Um, mm-hmm. You guys ever tried those tests to see if you if uh, you can hear a super high pitched sound? Kids ever do that? Like, <laughs> you mean like you're singing? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know they have them. They like, like the beep tests. Yeah, yeah. I, I had one I had a on long when I was a kid. You did. Oh, they have them on your phone. You yeah, know, I do it all the time around when I'm around kids. I put my phone in a conspicuous place. I turn that little thing on, knowing that none of the adults can hear it. And you all can't hear it, right? Mark? I can't hear it, but all the kids can hear. It. They're just like. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like kids 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 it. it's like a dog whistle. Kids can hear it? It's like a dog? It's like a dog whistle for kids. It's like a dog whistle for kids. Yeah. Why can they hear it and you can't? I don't know, because we just get older and are hearing. Yeah, I think that's I'm, I'm playing it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I wonder that, you know, like, how much better did we used to hear? And then time goes by and you just don't, you don't know anymore. You don't mm. realize. Ask Richard Dawkins. <laughs> Millions of years ago. Oh, could yeah. Hear really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, crazy stuff. Uh, Mark, Mark's got it on his phone. Are you, you turning it on, Mark? Yeah. Can you hear it? Oh, that's so loud. Oof. No. Wow. Ooh. No, you're not playing it, are you? Yeah. No, I can't hear anything. Can you hear it, Oscar? No. Not even in your headphones. It's an intelligence test. <laughs> we failed. It's called a dog whistle. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's just crazy when you think about that. You know, one Hang of the on things. A minute. I wonder if a lot of kids are listening <laughs> to that. <laughs> you just Make blew a billion eardrums. My ears Mark. are bleeding. Yeah. No, but, you know, one of the things that, that I do sometimes, Rachel and the kids always laugh at me. If I'm talking to someone with an accent, I start to mimic their accent. No. <laughs> as uh, I'm talking to them. It's called mirroring. Is that a thing? Yeah, it's a thing. Ray, Ray I do something similar. I think it's because I'm, I'm subconsciously thinking they'll understand me better. Yeah. Mm, and usually the person that does it is delusional into thinking the accent is actually genuine. <laughs> like singing, sing us a song. I am right in the late seven days. Ray, you know that I speak just like you. Isn't that right? just like the way you talk, Ray? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a convict. <laughs> Australia. Being tortured in Australia. You know, I seriously, I wonder, look, when my dad moved to the U.S., Ray, you were probably about three Mm-hmm. My dad was 70. He's now <laughs> That's you know, 112. Every time those numbers. So, Ray, I wonder what it would have been like for you. My dad never learned English, but if you moved to a place like Russia or China or, uh, you know, wherever, if you would still have a New Zealand accent. I'd learn languages. their language. Just I'd say, learn words like food now and things like that. <laughs> just yeah, but, the basics. But I mean, like, would you do it with like... A New Zealand I accent. I think so. I think I wouldn't matter. Like, would it be like, if you were in Germany, would it be like, What on? If there's a Russian New Zealander out there listening to this podcast, would you email us? We'd love to hear your accent. Uh, what I'd yeah. give to hear Ray speak in a Russian <laughs> record New Zealand it. accent. Record, record it and send yeah. it to us. It just unsubscribed. Yeah. I'd say, <laughs> a little Indian. All right, friends, we've got a comment. This is from Garrett Rose. I want to thank y'all so much for doing this podcast. It reminds me of what Christian friendship and fellowship looks like and always makes me feel like I'm with my friends talking about the Word of God. I also want to thank Ray specifically because of your evangelism videos. I realized that I wasn't saved Ooh, because wow. I never understood the weight and consequences of my sin. Wow. Thank you. Praise, oh. the, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise yeah. God. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, we hear of one person that got saved, but this has potentially generational impact, yeah. you know, their kids and then those that know them. And, you know, I think about that sometimes when we talk about like the number of people that watch our YouTube channel or listen to the podcast or watch the TV show, you have to think that the extrapolation of that, because those people all have a circle of influence. Yeah. You know, I mean, if each person knew 10 people really well, you know, you multiply the potential of impact by 10. You know? Do you remember that the the young man that we met at the Way of the Master relaunch season? I can't even remember now, yeah. but he came up to us. He had one of the original evidence Bibles, and he told me that you guys have to remember this. He he told me that he started watching Way of the Master with his parents when he was like a kid. I don't know, five six years old, mm. and now he's oh, a yeah, dad. Yes. And he's watching Way of the Master with his kids. I totally remember that. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Mm. Yeah, and it's humbling and encouraging. So thank you. For that, uh, Garrett, and may the Lord continue to use you as you grow in Him. All right, friends, this podcast is brought to you by the Equipping Book Pack. Ray, this was your brainchild, as most things are. This is World Religions in a Nutshell, How to Know God Exists, How to Overcome Life's Endless Trials, Anyone But Me, Undeniable Evidence, and Banana Man. All in one pack for a really good price. Banana man. Banana. (laughs) Banana man. Banana. So make sure to check it out, friends, along with the Living Waters podcast mug and the Evidence Study Bible at livingwaters.com. We started putting in uh, hot chocolate in the mugs. Did you? sachet. You and I talked about that. Who Mm -hmm. gave you that idea, Ray? You gave the idea to me, and I, I went ahead and did it. That's wonderful. So if they get So wait, this is big news. They get hot chocolate? Yeah, hot chocolate in the mug. It's, it spills. During, yeah. During is it transit. still hot by the time it gets there? <laughs> yeah. While supplies last, and as long as we decide to keep doing it, just in case someone's hearing this I'm glad down the you line. said that. You should throw a marshmallow in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should get it with the hot chocolate already mixed <laughs> with yeah. everything in there. Yeah, friends. That's fun. Uh, so make sure to get all that good That's stuff. That's unless the staff has been drinking it before it goes. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, friends. Today, we're talking about Zacchaeus was a wee, a wee little man, man. a wee, wee little man, man was he. What a he climbed up song. in a sycamore this tree. This is real? Wait, you've never heard... Wait, stop. It, it, Israel. It's Israel. Israel. Oh, it's a song in Israel. No, no, no. no You're joking. Israel. Israel. You are joking, though, Oscar. You've no, never heard that song? I didn't grow up Christian. I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> you never heard that? <laughs> no. It's a, it's a demeaning song about a man of God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, why, why am I feeling like personal, like... Yeah. A personal Animosity insult. From me. Why do you feel yeah, attacked? Why, it's because I'm, I'm I'm standing at this table on my seat. <laughs> you, on stilts. Listen, you really got to hand it to Ray, because you probably can't reach it anyways. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good oh, dad joke funny. there, Mark. Uh, Ray, look. I'm looking. <laughs> <laughs> what he wants to ask now, my, is... My, I remember sitting in my, my dad's car when I was a little kid, and I saw my dad talking to a man, and I thought, my dad's short. He's five foot eight. He was five... I didn't even, I, I didn't even get a five foot five. I think <laughs> I, I reached five foot five. So my dad was tall compared to me. My wow. brothers, I, My brothers, I think, is about six foot or six yeah, feet. Yeah, Philip is That hasn't left me better at all. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like to duck under a dog? <laughs> <laughs> That but, does not make Ray happy. Yeah. Well, then which one does it make you? You're not happy. <laughs> it makes me dopey. So, Ray, this is, uh, this is, yeah, I mean, Zacchaeus, he's in God's word. And, and I mean, this is what he's known for. 
being short. Yeah. For eternity and people singing silly songs about the poor guy. Wait till you see his glorified body. I tell you what, if you study if you study tall people in scripture, they didn't come down very well. You've got Goliath, That's down true. he went. You've got King Saul, ah. who turned out to be a rat bag, he has head and shoulders above other people. Jesus looked up to Zacchaeus. Ooh. Ah. My grandson Haddon is like addicted to the song. He just sings it all. Yeah, he's the time. gonna be about eight foot six. Uh he's he's in the 99th percentile. Oh. Yeah. Um and so, you know, Matthias is six four, Summer's five eight, tall for, for a girl. And so yeah, I met him the other day, he was shaving. <laughs> he's getting there. Wait, how tall is Matthias? Six four. Wow. Yeah. But he just loves this song. And it's like we don't know what to do because he's at the park the other day and he's singing it and he's in a tree and he's like, I'm in a sycamore tree. <laughs> Who put know? him in the tree? Uh, they just put him up there because they wanted to go have fun <laughs> It's the, the babysitter. <laughs> the so babysitter. they wanted to go to the supermarket. Can you imagine? Here, son, stay here. <laughs> but, but yeah, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Um, he climbed up in the sycamore tree, the Lord you want to see. Mark? No, I was just wondering, how do short people greet each other? Yeah. They microwave. <laughs> <laughs> you did you did your dad joke research oh, Mark, I, just, I, I love this i love short jokes. i wasn't gonna do any until ray gave me permission that's oh, right because um, well the good thing about short jokes is they don't go on too long hey <laughs> that's so good i remember years ago ray i gave i wrote a whole long list of short joke comebacks For that rachel. rachel can use yes. she's four foot ten four foot ten mother hen is what we call her but yeah, Zacchaeus, uh, let, me, let me read the story for us and kick us off because the title, friends, of this podcast is Zacchaeus, much more than just a wee little man. So Luke 19, 1 to 10, then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich and he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd for he King was... King James says because of the press. Because so of So obviously what? the media... Really appreciate. <laughs> Does it say the on. press? It says the press. Yeah, the press. Fake news. For he was of <laughs> short stature, so he ran ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And I have, if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Mm. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to mm. this house, mm. because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Yeah. Man, this, this passage is so packed. There's so much in so here. Much. And it's you so... See, I noticed we you reading that whole portion, you were smiling. Yeah, I mean, I, because, I, again, Jesus is so much more than we oftentimes give him credit for being mm. and did so much more by way of significance than, than I think we, we realize. You know? And as I'm reading it, it's, coming, it's all coming back to heart and mind. Like, man, this is, this is really amazing. And I think context is important and understanding those things is, is key. So, Oscar, give us a little bit of background and fill, fill in the blanks on, on – he's a tax collector. Yes. and That's a good place to start. Yeah. And we already see here that, that obviously 
the religious were in an uproar because he's going to be with a sinner. So yeah. give us yeah, some background. I, the context of tax collector, I think, is really important as we come across those words in the scriptures often. It's good for us to know what it is and, and how it's different. Because even if like if we if we if we knew one of our neighbors worked for their IRS right now, uh-huh. we all probably wouldn't like them very much already, <laughs> right? Because they're a yeah. tax collector. But it was even more so. Remember that the the taxes that Zacchaeus was helping collect was from the Jews and for the Romans. No. And Zacchaeus was a Jew. So what the Roman what the Roman centurions would do is they would come in and they would they would go to a Jew and they would basically hire them away from the people. They would betray his own people. He would become a spy for his own people. It was like, okay, Zacchaeus, you know the lay of the land. You know how much Mark is making and what Easy and his family do for work and what and how often Ray goes out, you know, fishing. So it's you're gonna be the best equipped person to be able to tell us whether they're being honest about the money they're making and whether or not they're paying paying us the right amount. And so to the Jewish people, a tax collector was someone who betrayed his own people. He was working for the enemy. The people and remember Rome is not a welcomed guest in Israel. They took over, they forcefully took over the land, right? They are occupying the promised land. And so Zacchaeus and all of the tax collectors in the New Testament for that matter, they're heavily looked down upon. He is categorized immediately as a sinner while we are all sinners, but he is especially categorized as a sinner because he's betraying his own people by being this tax collector. And one other thing to add to that context is that the better you were, the more money you made. The more money Zacchaeus found in the crevices the people were hiding, he earned a percentage of that. And so he was directly motivated to shake people out of more money for the Romans because it means he would make more money himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that the text really gives us insight into how rich he was. He's saying, I'll give away half of everything that I own to yeah. the poor. And then on top of that, I'll restore fourfold to anyone that I've ripped off. And I assure you, he ripped off a lot of people. Yeah. That I mean, reveals that he knew the law because yeah. the law, Lord Moses said you pay back fourfold. Mm-hmm. So it revealed he had some semblance of uh, Jewishness in that sense. Yeah. And look, we can't really downplay how hated the tax collectors were. As Oscar said, you know, there was a betrayal, of course, against the Jewish people. They were in cahoots with Rome, but then they're getting ripped off blind, you know? So they're taking their livelihood and then they're consorting with the enemy. They were really hated. And we see insight in this, you know, from scripture. In fact, Luke 18. Jesus was talking about the unrighteous versus the righteous and their prayers and the hypocrite. And he says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, they were grouped in with the, like the, the most hideous. And in Matthew 18, where Jesus was talking about church discipline, you know, and if your brother sins against you, approach him. If he doesn't repent, take one or two, then take it to the church or whatever. He says, even, and, and this is what he says in Matthew 18, he says, eighteen seventeen. if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so again, the picture is being drawn here that, that Zacchaeus, he was a very detested and, and hated guy. And so, Ray, how beautiful is that picture of him being so eager to want to see the Lord 
He climbs up into a I, I just find it very thrilling that he, he ran ahead because he wanted to see Jesus, yeah. who, he, and who he was. Not yeah. just see Jesus, but who he was, yeah. which is, you read scripture, you, you come up with the same thing. You go, who is this? It's like the disciples, when Jesus stilled the storm, they said, who is this man? Yeah. That even the wind and the sea obeys him. Mm. And so he, he climbed a tree, which shows humility of heart. And when Jesus said, make haste and come down, it says Zacchaeus made haste. And come. So there's a sense of urgency for every person to make haste in coming to Christ. Oh, Amen. You know, I kind of put this into effect when I had uh, the opportunity to meet George Clooney and gave him that, go- that gospel oh, track. Yeah, right. You know, he was over in a, a section where everybody was kind of thronging towards him. And I knew the way it worked that eventually he'd make his way down the line where other people were at. So I ran ahead to where he would be at, got into the front row, and then he made his way on over to me and I gave him a million dollar gospel track. And he held it up for the cameras, and his comment was, look, now I'm a millionaire. Huh. And I said, sir, what's written on the back side of that is more important than all the money inside your bank. Wow. Were yeah. wow. <laughs> you up quick... a tree? I was, I was not <laughs> up a tree. Real quick for the listener, who's George Clooney? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so good, Mark. You know, Mark, I, I do want you to, to, to comment on this. We often talk about how important it is to, in fact, you talked about it in a recent podcast about how important it is to hold up the character of God, to open up the character of God. Jesus, in a sense, was a novelty to Zacchaeus and to you know those that were living in that region. And what we see here in America oftentimes is the opposite of this. Like, get me as far away from hearing about Jesus as possible. Mm. Zacchaeus was eager to see him. No doubt he had heard about him, and I would assume about his character, what he was like, you know, what what he was doing, his great power, so of on course, and so forth. remember on. the press was there, so he obviously <laughs> yeah, didn't the know press was that. getting the word out. <laughs> but we have the opposite problem today, Mark. Do you think that we can capture people's attention again to be more interested in the Lord by speaking about his character, as opposed to just like assuming they know what Christ was like and what God is like. Well, I mean, you should know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, Jesus is seeking after those who are going to worship the Father in spirit and in truth, so it's good to have a proper understanding, a clear picture of who God is, and leave the results to God, right? I mean, because we cannot uh, save anybody. I do think that the more we are able to share Scripture, the better off we'll be inside of our presentation, because Scripture does not return Void. Yeah. So we get it in us, and there will be ample opportunity to get it out of us. It might, Ray, do you remember several years ago when we went uh, miniature golfing when I just started working at the ministry? Is there any other kind of golfing for Ray? <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. He doesn't remember it because he just simply called it golf. Yeah, it's just golfing. I thought, why are the clubs so big? Uh, yeah. Oh, Wait, yeah, was that your joke? Yeah, no oh, I thought that was a real... <laughs> you know, if you ask me how tall I am, I'm going to say I'm about six feet. But if you ask Ray how tall he is, what do you say, Ray? Five, uh, point, five feet, five... Five eleven No, I say four, four, four fourteen, I think, or something like that. <laughs> five it's eleven always, It's always so, just more specific. Four, four, yeah, four... <laughs> Five eleven-ish, something like that. Yeah. Mark, was there no? Was that? No, that was it. Listen, <laughs> you, we don't need to climb a tree to see. We don't need to climb a tree to see truth. But listen, you draw near to God; God will draw near to you. So, if we open up God's Word, He's going to meet us uh, more than where we're at, but where we need to be. And imagine, to His surprise, mm. Zacchaeus's response when Jesus looks up to him gets eye contact and says, today I'm going to dine with you. Just 
what took over him, you know, to where he goes, yeah, man, let's do the filet He probably mignano. hasn't had any, any Jews dine with him for 40 years. Yeah, you know? that's probably true. I've been thinking a lot. This is, this is unformed thoughts. Uh, but this morning I've been thinking a lot about the parallel between Zacchaeus and Judas. Uh, and it kind of reminds me of the prodigal son story because Zacchaeus and Judas have quite a bit of parallels, but yet they went about their pursuit of money differently. Zacchaeus left God's family. He left God's will to pursue money, to pursue wealth, to pursue creaturely comforts, right? Mm -hmm. He's the sinner who ended up in the pigsty. But Judas, he stayed close to the church. He stayed close to Jesus. Uh, From the outside, he was a whitewashed tomb. He was a moralist. He was doing all the right things. He was following Christ. Yet Zacchaeus and Judas both were doing something. One of them was running from God and one of them was staying close to God. But Judas was staying close to God as it turns out for the same reasons Zacchaeus was running from God, Mm. for his own wealth, for his own comfort. And so often in our lives, we can do the same thing. Some of us run far away from God because we want to pursue our own way, our own life. And some of us, we go to church every Sunday and we act the, we, we play the part of the legalist and the moralist. We do all the right things. We say all the right things, but we do it because we want control over our lives, because we want the wealth, because we want the comfort. And the difference here is to be a Christian is to pursue God for who God is, mm. not because we want our life, but because he gave up his life so that we could have a life. And that's the beauty of this story. Zacchaeus climbs a tree to see the savior who would die on a tree for him. Mm. And for us to make sure that we don't become a, a pre-saved Zacchaeus or a Judas, we have to do the same thing. We have to look to the cross and to see what God has done for us. And only when we really truly understand the love of God, can we put away our own way of doing things, our own legalistic ways, our own antinomian ways and pursue Christ for the sake of Christ. Mm. And Zacchaeus came alive by a tree and Judas died by a tree. That's good. Wow. Yeah. That's really good. Ray, would you call that humility, what Zacchaeus did? Because, <clears throat> I mean... Now. Humility. <laughs> but I mean, you know... <clears throat> yes, yes. Because he was, he was basically putting himself on display, I'm a short man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't care. And, and maybe that's what was behind it. Like, I don't... And not only that, he's doing two things. He's putting himself on display as I'm a short man, and he's also drawing attention to himself from everyone that hated him. Here I am, the tax collector, you tree. know? Up a tree. You know, it might be good to give some thought as to why he was a tax collector. Why would he betray his people? Perhaps he was despised because of his shortness. Mm. Because we tend to do that. You don't get uh, people being bullied that are six foot eight in school. It's usually the little kid that gets, or the shorty that gets. My first memory as a kid was being put to the front of the class, cross-legged for the school photo. Really? Because I was the shortest and I wouldn't block any views. <laughs> but didn't uh, they have you just stand? <laughs> <laughs> the water evaporates in the shower before it hits me, teacher. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so maybe he was a tax collector because people despised him because of his lack of stature. So it's always good, like Rachel, she, you know, your wife, she really didn't like people you know, looking down on her to want better, <laughs> better, better wording. But yeah, we need to be very careful how we, um, how we talk to people with their physical yeah. attributes.
We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and a podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. Yeah, but you know, there is something in mankind and the heart that I think whatever you are, I mean, I, sometimes people think, oh, you're tall, so that that must be all good for you. But I've heard a lot of tall people say, I, it, I wish I wasn't that tall. Right. You know, yeah, I, I mean, look at how awkward Mark is. <laughs> anything that at least stands I'm able out, to reach my goals. <laughs> <laughs> anything that stands out from the norm, I think, becomes fodder for people. What, what is it in the human heart? Like, why? Yeah, if everybody was four foot six, no one would be short. <laughs> That's true, right? I mean, it, it's that standout, I think, that that draws the attention. But the human heart, I mean, you want to see the extent of the sinful fallen nature. Just look at how kids treat each other. Nothing yeah. nothing kills me more than when I see kids being bullied. I don't Lord know what it is. Lord of the Flies, do you remember that movie? Oh, yeah. Just horrific. Yeah, they, it, it just became this uh, animalistic, yeah, yeah, kind of a thing. But yeah, but I think that there is that importance though for us as believers to be secure in who the Lord has made us. Yeah, you know, there are some people that won't put themselves in certain situations because they're embarrassed or fearful about what people might say about them or how they might be perceived. You bring up a really good point easy and actually just preached on Psalm 139 in which it reminds us that God is the one who creates us, our formed substance and our unformed substance, our personalities, our dispositions and our physical appearance. And I think that's really important to remember because oftentimes what happens as believers is that we start to believe the lies of the devil that God wasn't paying attention when he made us, that he messed up. And when we believe those lies, we begin to speak accusations against God. Why am I not tall enough? Why am I not pretty enough? Why isn't my body look like hers? Or why am I not tall like him? Why am I not shorter? Why am I not shorter (laughs) as Mark's always asking himself like Ray. And, And here's the thing that's important to remember is that there is not a freckle on your body that is misplaced. There is not a hair on your head that does or does not belong there, right? God shaped you. And it reminds me when I was uh, a couple of years ago, like for Valentine's Day, I wanted to make my family heart-shaped cookies. And so I kind of formed the dough and I put the, you know, the four hearts in the oven and they all came out and most of them look like hearts, but one of them did it. And I, you know, like I, I handed them off to everybody. I handed it to my daughters. I'm like, here's your heart-shaped cookie. And to my son and then to my wife, I gave her the deformed one. I'm like, here's your liver cookie, you know? But here's the thing though, is, is you're not a liver cookie. Like God didn't mess up when he made you. He shaped you in the way that he wanted to shape you for his glory and his good. And the more we listen to the devil, the more we begin to believe in his own lies and make accusations against God. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there was, in church history, I was talking, I was looking up the appearance of the Apostle Paul, and the question was asked, how do we know who Paul is when he comes into town? And the response was this, Paul was a small man of stature mm-hmm. with a bald head, crooked legs, and a good state of body with eyebrows meeting, meaning he had an, a monobrow, and a nose somewhat Hooked. Who said all this? <laughs> However, his wife. <laughs> full of friendliness, for now he appeared like a man and he had the face of an angel. That's good. Wow. Friendly and the face of an angel. You know, but otherwise he looked like one of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you think about Jesus. I mean, Isaiah 53. That's right talking about, you know, there was no comeliness form or comeliness or beauty in him, depending how it's translated. Yeah, you, you see the hand of God in his creation. Obviously, we know it's a fallen world, that, so there are imperfections from our perspective, but that perfection is attributed to the fact that this is what God willed, mm-hmm. ultimately. And I've, I've shared this quote before, but it's one of my absolute favorites. This is by George MacDonald. I would rather be what God chose to make me than the most glorious creature that I could think of. For to have been thought about, born in God's thought, and then made by God is the dearest, grandest, and most precious thing in all thinking. Hmm. This is such a, a powerful and insightful quote, because I mean, really, you could have been the grandest, most beautiful thing, but hypothetically not made by God. But imagine being exactly who God formed me. His hand had... It's it's functioning in making you. Yeah, the master artist, sculptor, right? He didn't just give you freckles. He strategically placed every freckle, every hair strategically placed, knowing the, the number of hairs on our head. That is who God made me. Um, <laughs> there's some, and I guess way back in my memory banks, but some study was done years ago of... Uh, seniors in in university that were most likely to succeed and they went back to them 10 years later and they had fluffed it, almost Mm. all of them. Really? Yeah, they were the successful, good-looking, the tall, the the intelligent, the strong, and in society, it just didn't work. Yeah. Mm. You know? That's good. And so how about the the impartiality of Christ in this, though? You know? Oh, beautiful. he, He didn't, like, act differently toward Zacchaeus because he was of short stature, and because he was a tax collector. Yeah. You know? And he got flack for it. Yep. Stayed with sinners. Yeah. Look at you. What are you doing? You know, but... but Why but, did they go to New York? <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing hey, over there? what are you doing over there? <laughs> what are you, what are you doing with that short little fella? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kevin D. Young about that says this. The Savior goes to stay with sinners, mm. but too often we separate from sinners. Instead of helping those far from Christ come near to him, we act as if hanging out with people who don't know God will cause us to contract a sin disease. But sin isn't a disease you can catch. Sin is a sign of death that only the Savior can defeat and overcome with new life. And and he goes on to say, like, when is the last time you took the opportunity to to invest in someone's life that isn't already saved? When's the last time you had someone over for a meal? When's the last time you got your hands dirty with, with the homeless? Like mm-hmm. we often, I think we wanna keep them at, at arm's length from us, uh, but Christ gives us this wonderful example of staying with sinners. And he didn't stay with sinners. Like the point here, that, that can devolve, 
right? It could be like, oh, Jesus was partying with sinners. Like, no, Jesus wasn't like hanging out partying with sinners necessarily. What Jesus was doing was investing intentional time with the focus of the cross, but he wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty to a degree, but he wasn't wasting his time with sinners either. Yeah. Ray. I did the breathe. The breathe. Which means I've got something to say. Verse eight, I love it where Zacchaeus stood and said, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor. He stood. There was a resolution in his spirit. He Mm. just didn't land and say, behold, he stood. That's good. Yeah. And I think when it comes to righteousness, each of us as Christians have got to make that resolution stand and mm. not compromise. Yeah. It's that determination of saying, I'm going to respond to what I just heard. I mean, I think of Josiah, you know, King Josiah, right. when, when they found the, the law of God and it was read to him, he tore his clothes. Mm. And then we see his response. Eight years old. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was eight years old when, when he became king. And then, you know, later they read to him the law and, and he, he responds this way. And then he has the idols crushed to powder. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just destroy the idols. And he was one of the first kings to actually get rid of the high places. You'd always hear about a king and he was righteous, but he did mm-hmm. not remove the high places. Josiah removed the high places, which were, you know, indicative of pagan worship. He destroyed them. It had them. sexual connotations, didn't it? Yeah, there, yeah. That, there was that too. Yeah. Removed them and then took the idols, didn't just throw them away or break them, ground them to powder and then dispersed them. Like they're gone. I, that's how I want my heart to be. Yeah. You know, I don't want to grow dull of hearing. The, these words of, of Christ were fresh to Zacchaeus. He was connected to them and it resulted in this, this powerful response. Well, it may have been, sorry, the first time anyone spoke kindly to him for years when you think about it. Wow. That's good. It's also a great reminder of what repentance looks like. And Zacchaeus is mine in in the example that you just gave easy. Repentance takes action. Like repentance wasn't just Zacchaeus going, whoops, I messed up and now I was a sinner and now I'm just a really wealthy saint. Repentance costed Zacchaeus something, right? It costed him his comforts, his idol. His idol was his comfort. And that's the exact thing that he was giving up. He was sending back. He was restoring the thing that he took from others. And oftentimes repentance requires us to go make right what we made wrong. How powerful that is in the sight of the unbeliever. I heard a preacher, so this isn't original, but he just spoke of a poor Jewish family hearing a, at the door, open the door and there's the tax collector. And he says, I've come back to Payback fourfold that yes. I took from you. Wow. And how, how powerful oh, is that? Chills, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Wow. You, you think of when Jesus went to Zacchaeus's house and he's looking around at all of the amazing things inside the house that were received through ill gain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. at any given moment, right? Jesus wants to come to our house, if you would, knowing what he's going to see also knowing that he's going to require those things from us. Mm. Zacchaeus knew it. You just imagine what was going through Zacchaeus's mind as Jesus is kind of looking around at the house. <sighs> the guilt. <laughs> and then the stand up. Listen, if I've done anything wrong, and he knows what he's done, yeah. but able to go that extra mile. Thomas Watson said that repentance, it flows like a river. Mm-hmm. In other words, it just flows and it flows and it flows. Everything and anything that I've ever done, it just comes out. Well, that's... What I think happened to Zacchaeus, that he gave until he didn't have anything else to give because he couldn't differentiate between what he received through ill gain or not. Yeah. It's just, listen, 
I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. Mm. And he just surrenders. Wow. What a joy. And I think, you know, when someone encounters the Lord, they just want to be right in every way. We know in Christ, we have imputed righteousness that's given to us as a gift. We're declared completely righteous, but we want practical righteousness. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to please God. Everything shifts. I mean, Ray, when you share your testimony, you always talk about how your desires change. You know, our relationship with sin changes. We go from being at peace with sin and loving sin to to hating it, even though we, we struggle with it and we're tempted by it. And so I remember when I got saved, I was eager to make things right yeah. to, to a point where people thought I was stupid, like, don't do that. But I, mm. I remember going to the convenience store that was in our neighborhood. And I, I said to the cash register guy, I said, hey, I used to steal cigarettes from here. I mean, I remember one time I walked out Three to years a whole old. carton. I was one and a half years old. I took, <laughs> I took a whole carton of cigarettes. But I did. I took a whole carton of cigarettes and I, I shoved it down my pants and put my coat over it and walked out, you know? And and so he's like, oh, thanks for letting us know. Kind of like, what are we going to do about it now? You know, but I, I needed to... So did to, you give him some cigarettes or something? Yeah, I gave him a hookah <laughs> to smoke. It was my Adam hookah. Well, then now the transition and the transformation is search me and try me and see if there be any wicked mm-hmm. way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Yeah. Only a Christian can say that. There's no skeletons in our closet, right? We are open and naked. This is who we are. We have no secret life. Yeah. Lord, whoa, I want to walk that straight and narrow path. Lord, whatever you need to do, no matter how much it hurts, no matter how comfortable it is, I want eternity over the temporal. Mm. So whatever you have to do is okay with me, and I give you that permission today, because I know tomorrow when the fire is turned up, I'm going to say, ouch, and stop. Mm. Yeah. You just reminded me, easy. Uh, I know I've told this story before, but when I first became a Christian, about two years after I became a Christian, I remembered back to this girl that I was dating as an atheist. Her dad was a retired pastor. She was going to uh, a Christian college, and by the time we weren't together anymore, she was no longer a Christian. She had left that college. She had a big Marxist tattoo on her side. Uh, She had left the faith. Two years after me becoming a Christian, I felt that conviction. Like I I participated in this thing. I influenced this person. And I can remember like, I was like, I need to go apologize to her parents and I need to get, I need to find her and I need to tell her I was wrong. And so they lived in Westminster I was like 45 minutes away, but I can remember like it was yesterday driving on that freeway to her parents' house. They don't know I'm coming. I don't have their phone number. I just remember where they live, Mm. mind you, right? And I remember sweating, Mm. like, should I turn around? Is this a good idea? Am I overreacting? It's been so many, it's been seven years. Like, are they going to, like, this is crazy. You know what I mean? To finish the story, I get there and I knock on the door and the mom and the dad are there and I give them my testimony. I start to tell them what happened, you know, and they sit me down. The dad doesn't say a word. Hmm. I am not exaggerating, not a hello, not a sit down, not a come in. He didn't say a word. The wife sat me down. I tell them my testimony. I tell them I was wrong. I tell them I'm sorry. I tell them I want to reach out to her and I want to apologize that I was wrong. And the dad's just like stoic looking at me. doesn't say a word. The mom gets up, walks into the other room 
and like leaves me with the silent father. And I'm like, is she going to get the gun? <laughs> what is happening? Here you go, honey. Yeah. She comes back in and sort of like prompts me to get up and walk to her to the front door. And then she hands me a piece of paper and is like, thank you so much for coming. Like, I'm, we're really happy for you. Closes the door and I open it up and it's, um, it's a paper with her phone number, the girl that I was dating at the time, and so I called. We met at. Wait, met at, did the father still didn't, didn't say, say a word, oh, dude. Oh, wow. Even when you left, even when I left, he may have been. And mute. he was a pastor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he didn't say a word. He was a pastor. He, yeah. Well, he was a retired pastor. Oh wow, he was a retired pastor. He may have been talked out. Uh, probably <laughs> no. I mean, you can imagine. Like I put them through some things. Yeah. You know, like they. There's a lot to that story when we were dating that I, I see now as a father, how mm. brutal it must've been for him yeah. that the two years that me yeah. and that girl were together. Right. I call that girl, we meet up for dinner and I tell her that I'm a Christian and I share the gospel with her and I share my testimony with her. And at the end of that long conversation, I mean, her jaw hit the floor and she just, the first words out of her mouth were, you you're a Christian, hmm. you. Wow. And we sort of had a bit of a sword fight at dinner and then I walk her to her car and at her car, she starts to cry and she like confesses that she knows it's all true and that she wants wow. me to pray for her and stuff. Wow. And I think back like Oscar, that. this could be part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but that was sort of that Zacchaeus moment, I think mm. for me, where it was like, I, I didn't take something, but I contributed to something. And I, and I need to look beyond, as uncomfortable of this moment was gonna make me feel, I just knew that like the truth of what God did in my life was more important than my comfortability. And, and I stuck, stuck out in faith. I don't know where she, I haven't seen her since, but hopefully by the and grace of God. you haven't seen the parents? I haven't seen the parents since. No, that's mm. the last interaction I had with all of wow. them. Mm. Have you, has your phone ever rung and no one been there? <laughs> <laughs> dad. Still silence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ray, how absolutely just joy-infusing it must have been when Zacchaeus heard Jesus say, today salvation has come hmm. to this house. Yeah. I mean, you know, here's this guy. He's just, yeah, he's hated. He's rejected. He's got his conscience probably constantly plaguing him. And he was just like, I just want to get a glimpse of this Jesus as he's walking by. You know, he climbs up in a tree and then I'm going to your house today. Whoa, he comes, he makes that declaration, half of my goods, I'll pay back fourfold. And then Jesus declares salvation. I mean, he's, he's like declaring this guy, his eyes are open. He's, you know, I mean, what must that have been like? It's such a lesson for us because the words that Zacchaeus spoke showed that he was genuine in his repentance. He's going to bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. And how yeah. often have you been in a church when someone makes a decision for Christ and the whole church bursts into applause? Mm. And there's no evident fruit. There's no time. It's like they're all saved That's that have come to the front and made a decision for Jesus and prayed the sinner's prayer. No. Mm. Give them time. See if there's fruit. And then applaud. Yeah. That's good. Amen. See if there's fruit that demonstrates they were regenerated at that moment, that demonstrates that. That's, that's so good. And and what a, man, what, what a life for this guy. And I'm always curious, like, what happened after that? You know, who did he become? What happened to his life, Ray? All around the world, there are churches named after the Apostle Paul and John. I don't know if there's any first <laughs> church of Zacchaeus. Oh, that's right. <laughs> the church of the Holy Zacchaeus. <laughs> What a what a great 
great testimony. And uh, friends, we know that some of you listening now, and I remember one time we read a comment from an atheist who listens, mm-hmm. and he says he's an atheist, but he absolutely loves the podcast. We're honored that he listens. Hopefully he still does. Maybe there are others who are in the same boat. Maybe someone told you about the podcast, you came across it randomly. We just want to remind you that you can have that Zacchaeus moment. Mm. You can recognize that there is nothing good in you, that that you need this Jesus and you need to humble yourself and recognize that you can't save yourself. I think that's one of the, the biggest things that keeps people from truly repenting. It's that they're trying to earn their own salvation. Mm. That's an impossibility. You're a sinner. You violated God's law. You're deserving of his wrath and judgment. And Christ lived the perfect life you could not live. And then he became the substitute for sinners on that cross. If you repent, cry out to him in repentance and faith, God will wipe away every sin you've ever committed, past, present, future. He'll grant you the gift of everlasting life and transform you. So that's the gospel. Turn to him today, that the savior who died and rose again to set sinners free. There you have it, friends. No silliness. Check out everything we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Go back to the beginning if you can't remember it. (laughs) And we'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too. Those of you who are listening, just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters podcast.